Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Welcome to the Unwinding Path. I'm your navigator, Jesse Walker. So to recap our last program, capitalism is good, but consumerism is bad and it's gotten the best of us. And what if Jesus told you he was coming back sometime next year? What would you do? What things would you change? How would you live? The last church that is mentioned in Revelation before Jesus comes back has a problem. They are rich and don't need anything, but Jesus says to them, you are poor, blind, pitiable, and naked. I counsel you to buy gold from me. Matthew chapter 6 says, store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. We talked about that. 1 John chapter 2 talks about the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride in position and possessions. And that's kind of where we left off last week. And Jesus says in Revelation chapter 3, to the one who overcomes this rich consumeristic mentality uh, that Laodicea had, I will allow him to sit with me on my throne. And so there is a great reward for the one who overcomes this consumerist mentality. And when I was about 10 years old, I really wanted this Lego castle. I so wanted this thing. It was, it was, uh, it seemed like forever that it took to get this. And, and I waited and waited and finally got it. I, I couldn't wait to get my hands on it. It looked so cool. I wanted to call it mine. I couldn't wait to get my hands on it. The desires of the flesh. It looked so cool. The desire of the eyes. And I wanted to call it mine, the pride in position and possessions. So that's where we left off last week. See, I wanted to call this thing my own. And so back to the Laodicean church in Revelation. I was reading through Revelation chapter 3, and I sat there and said, Okay, I want to overcome this, Jesus. I want to be able to sit down with you on your throne. So how do I buy gold from you? How do I store up treasure in heaven? Because Matthew chapter 6 that we looked at just told me what to do again. Don't store up for yourself treasures on earth, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven. It didn't say how to do it. So how, Lord? How, how do I do this? And God led me to the passage about the rich young ruler. In Luke chapter 18, and Jesus and this rich young ruler come face to face. And I'll just read it here. And a ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, all these things I have kept from my youth. And Jesus heard this. He said to him, One thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. 
If you read the rest of the passage in context, you can see that Jesus was simply testing the rich young ruler's heart. If the rich young ruler had really believed that Jesus was the Son of God, he would, not, uh, he would have considered obeying him. Also, selling everything and giving the money to the poor is not a requirement to be saved. It's not a requirement to get into heaven. But this passage does show us how to store treasure in heaven. Jesus says, one thing you still lack, sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. And this rich young ruler no doubt had a lot of expensive things just sitting around collecting dust. Probably stuff like a vase from the Shang dynasty, a spare chariot, a couple of iPhone 4s, and barns filled with more grain than he could possibly ever eat. In fact, there is another parable that Jesus told about a rich man in Luke chapter 12. Jesus and someone in the crowd are, are kind of conversing and says someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Don't place your identity in things. And he told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. This guy is really selfish. Take note about how many times I and my are mentioned in this, in this passage. Verse 19, And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap, they have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? If you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon like the wisest man who ever lived, okay? Even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried 
For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, he goes on to say, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom to sit down with Jesus on his throne. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, on earth or in heaven, there will your heart be also. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. And so the passage in context, sell all that you have and you do not know what hour your Lord is coming and tomorrow is promised to no one. He's saying, hey, don't put your identity in things, your possessions. If you've got things in your life that you go, well, I couldn't possibly sell that. It means too much to me. You are probably placing your identity in that thing. Don't do that. Verse 33 talks about possessions and I thought maybe it meant your excess stuff, just the excess stuff. But it didn't include my house, my vehicle, my pots and pans, all the things we have and use in daily life. But it literally means possessions, goods, wealth, or property. It implies to go back to what you began with, nothing. It implies that you sell the things that feel necessary, those things that make us feel prepared or ready for something, the things that, that we know that other people, even poorer than us, probably don't even do without. It implies that it is necessary to sell anything and everything that you place your identity in. Store up treasure in heaven by buying gold from Jesus, and here's how you do it. Sell what you have that's just sitting around collecting dust and anything you place your identity in. Give the money to the poor and the needy because even here in America, there there are people starving. Matthew chapter 25, Jesus says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Remember the the prize for the one who overcomes consumerism is to be able to sit on the throne of Jesus with him. So in this passage, it still applies. It still relates. It says, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates sheep from goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we 
see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Now, this is Jesus talking here, okay? This is not something you want to hear from him. Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no, no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly, I say to you, as you did not do it to the least of one of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. When you've done it to the least of these, my brothers, you've done it to me. So who are the least of these? It's the poor. It's the needy. The poor have no money to buy food or clothing, okay? When you give money to the poor, to someone who can't repay you, you've given it to Jesus and just stored up treasure in heaven. This is how you buy gold from Jesus. Jesus says, when you give the money to the poor and needy who can't provide for themselves, you have given money to him. Every time you give something, time, resources, okay, especially time and money, whenever you give something to someone who can't repay you, you are giving it to Jesus. First Timothy talks about this in a little bit more detail. Paul says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Now, by the way, let me stop right here and say that being rich is not a sin. But people who either desire to become rich or maybe they already are rich, be careful and watch out because there is a snare there. There is a snare to fall into sin. Wealth is not bad in and of itself if it's used properly and the right way. However, I also believe the government should not tell you what to do with your wealth. That's what capitalism is. It's a free market economy. We have the ability to make money, but we should also have the individual responsibility to use the money biblically and wisely. Now, I am not saying to give the money to this program. That is not what this message is about. I dare anybody ever say that that's what I'm getting at here. I'm not. I want you to to save up some extra money. 
Uh, if you're listening to this program on the air right now, it's probably the holiday season. We're right around Christmas. I want you to give the money to somebody who is needy. Maybe you know a family who's uh, in a lot of debt and they're, they're going to lose their house or whatever. Uh, maybe a neighbor. Uh, give the money to somebody who can't repay you. So I'm going to continue on with what Paul is saying here. It says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. Skipping down a bit. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. That's just what I was saying a minute ago. They are to do good, to be rich in good works. Remember, Jesus, Jesus says, I know your works. People always say, well, God knows my heart. It's not about your intentions. It's about what you do. It says, be rich in good works. Be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Because godliness with contentment is great gain. And this applies to all of us because even the poorest person in America is still rich compared to the rest of the world. 1 John chapter 3 says, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Basically, John is saying, put your money where your mouth is. There was a major problem with the church in Laodicea. They didn't know who they were. They had their identity so wrapped up in things that they didn't see who they really were. The danger in placing your identity in things is that you will never find who you are. But the antithesis is also true. When you dig up your heart, when you find out who you really are, you won't have to hang on to those things, those possessions anymore, because your identity won't be in them. It'll be in Jesus. Cleaning out your heart to find who you really are, is it can be kind of painful at first, but it is so freeing. It is so freeing. Clean out your heart. Find out who you really are. Don't place your identity in possessions anymore. And you've no doubt heard the saying, go for broke. It means risk it all. When you're playing poker, for those of you who don't think playing cards is a sin, and even for those of you who might, uh, maybe some of you have played poker and you play it like Monopoly, where the white chips are worth $1 million and the red ones are $5 million and the blue ones are $10 million. But they're just chips, you know, they don't, they don't really mean anything. It's just a, an arbitrary value assigned to, you know, each color. And so on the, on the very last hand of the night, and you're, you're ready to go to bed, you're tired, whatever. The last hand of the night, you go all in. You bet all of your chips on this hand. You go for broke. After all, they're not worth anything. They, they're just, they have an arbitrary value assigned to them. Well, if Jesus really was coming back next year, that means this year is your last 
hand, the, the last part of you, your life you have to play, and I'm not seeing Jesus is coming back next year, but if he was, you should go all in. You should go for broke. Sell what you have and give the money to the poor because in the end, this stuff doesn't make you who you are and it isn't worth anything compared to the prize that awaits you in heaven. And if Jesus doesn't come back next year, well, the Bible says that tomorrow isn't promised to anyone. So maybe this is your quote-unquote last hand. Maybe we should see how it is to live a life of love and a life that is committed to following Jesus, to sell our possessions, and to go for broke and not place our identity in things any longer. So what have you done for Jesus? When you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to him. I want to make this very clear. You cannot buy your way into heaven. That's not what this message is about. It's about where your heart is at. Because if you have truly accepted Jesus as your Lord, you must be obedient to him. Do, thing, do you own things or do things own you? Now, you always hear people say money talks, but they never tell you what it says. Well, I'm going to tell you what it says. It either says, I love me, I'm going to buy all this stuff for myself, or it says, I love you, I love the least of these, I love the poor and the needy, I love Jesus. Most of you know that fasting is going without something to get closer to God. In Isaiah, God says, is not this the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? He's saying, hey, Maybe you need to go without some of this stuff in your life so that somebody else can eat. Somebody else won't lose their home. Think about somebody else during this season that we're celebrating of Christmas. And of course, if you're listening to this uh, next June or whenever it is, you know, we celebrate Christmas all, all the time in my household because we always celebrate Jesus. So it doesn't just apply to the Christmas season it applies to how you live your life every single day. We need to start showing Jesus to the world by not caring so much about our stuff. Sell the stuff you have just sitting around that's collecting dust and use the money to help feed the hungry and help the oppressed. Um, if you're wondering about maybe a ministry uh, that, that's good to, to do, donate your money to, there's one that I donate to a lot. It's called World Vision they are one of the best that I've found. They really use the money wisely. Uh, I'm not connected with them in any way, except that sometimes I, I'll donate some of my money to them. Otherwise, you know, I, I get nothing from it. So if you're looking for one, World Vision is an excellent uh, place to donate your money. But like I said, anybody, maybe it's a homeless guy you see on the street driving by or you're getting off the freeway and you see a guy holding a sign. Is, is he really the least of these? Well, I don't know. That's between 
him and God. That's between you and God. But you know what? Maybe he can't provide for himself. We don't know the circumstances that, that brought this person to, the, to this point in their life. And so what you might say to them when, when you hand them money or, or whatever, you might say, hey, I'll give you this money in the name of Jesus if you'll accept it that way. And a lot of times that'll, that'll really make them think. Or do what I do. Get some gift certificates for, for some fast food restaurants and hand those out because that will feed somebody. And that, that's a great way to, to give to uh, those you see just kind of on the street alongside the road. Help the hungry. If you do this, you've done it to Jesus. He says that's how you buy gold from him. Your treasure is in heaven. You can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead of you by being selfless. The reward then is great. If you overcome consumerism and the love of money, position, and possessions, Jesus, the King of Kings, will invite you to sit down next to him on his throne. If you like today's program, we have a lot more excellent content on the way. So please subscribe to The Unwinding Path. You can connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theunwindingpath. You can also reach us by email at bible underscore study at cox.net. That's bible, B-I-B-L-E, underscore study, S-T-U-D-Y, at cox.net. I'm Jesse Walker, your navigator on life's unwinding path. Thank you.